And now, detailing success in PNS Double Black present the Rennie Doyle Podcast, a podcast for blue-collar entrepreneurs. Hosted by the detailer of Air Force One and founder of both Detailing Success and the Detail Mafia, Rennie Doyle. What's up, man? How y'all doing? There he is, running for the camera. (laughs) Yeah, I had to come back. I decided to print print out my notes instead of just reading it off the screen. So, Mike, Chris, how's it going? How are we We're doing? How's, how's the snowpack? Uh, you know, it, uh, it's not much of a pack. Uh, it's kind of uh, a fluff right now. So there we, we, uh, we took in a, they said, yeah, you know, we could get one to two feet over overnight. You kind of take that with a grain of salt, right? Uh, yeah, we got, we're at a good 16, 17 inches. There's, there's this morning walking out of my house. I'm, I'm uh, a little disappointed, Rennie. Why is that? <laughs> I, I, I thought you'd be doing this live from the snow. Yeah. For us yeah. Flatlanders. Right? yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you probably couldn't sitting this close to this camera. You probably couldn't even see me. Uh, it's, it, you can't see it there. If you look at the old barn to the left, all the snow's completely blown off the roof. Uh, is that we've just got huge drifts, as you can see there. Um, but you know, we're, we're probably going to end up by the end of today, depending on where you're at in big bear, uh, anywhere from five to seven feet in the last seven days. Unreal. Yeah. It's pretty cool though. We need it, you know? So we're, our normal, our normal snowfall in town is 58 inches a year. Right now we're sitting at about 90. Um, and then we've got, you know, a little more today. So in, in different parts of big bear, they're at probably, they're, you know, at over a hundred. But we really need to be up that 120, 130. And then I hate to say it because right now it would probably be really, really bad. But it could happen next week is we need some rain to, to rent some of the snow down. Instead of just evaporating or slow dripping into the ground, we need it to, we need it to take a run off and go in the lake and, and fill up the sure. creeks and everything else. Well, I'm, it, I'm sure in, uh, in true Southern California fashion, next week will be like 90 degrees. So, yeah. you know, well, they're, they're calling for, we'll have to watch it really carefully because we got a, you know, a pretty cool event coming up next week up here, but they're calling for a, a, a little bit of a reprieve on this for the next, uh, on, on cool, cool and cool and breezy tomorrow. And then uh, warmer on Friday, Saturday. Uh, but then it starts, you know, clouding back up and they're saying we could get a, uh, a more tropical storm coming in by by early week next week uh which could bring rain so um we'll see i'm digging it i'm digging it yep. now we didn't put out to the world we we went without right when the big storms hit a week ago our heater went out in our house oh. and uh we uh we just you know our wood stove proved uh proved to be legit and uh we just fired up the wood stove we actually had to tame it down a little bit at night it got cool in the bedrooms but we were actually like at one day i was like 79 degrees inside the living room it's like okay i gotta i gotta mellow this out it's getting hot it's tropical well, so you know, my, my mother-in-law was without power for a while and they got that restored mm. finally yesterday uh it took it took a little i'm not we're not sure if it was fibbing or truth but my mother-in-law called them and mm-hmm. told them that she could see sparks up on the pole and so the DWP told her, okay, call the fire department. And so she called the fire department and the fire department just called the DWP and that's who showed up to fix it. So, the fire you know, unnecessary phone calls. 
Yeah. Wow. So, Michael, how are you, bud? I'm good. I'm good. It's been an interesting season of life, but yeah, I'm coming out on the other side of it feeling good. How are you? You know, uh, as we talked about, you know, Michael and I have these great luncheons at this uh, restaurant that's been around since when do you know when Mexico Cafe was open? Goodness, I, I don't. I, I know that I've been going there for over 30 years. Yeah, I think I think we were little kids, maybe even before our time. But, um, you know, we both have gone through the last last year for me, more currently for you, some life challenges. And we're going to talk about, you know, relationship factors and even how those play into that factor and us even debriefing each other. So, That's right. uh, yeah. you know, it's funny is, is we're all in Southern California and people are going, you know what? So what? They got snow. They got rain. Um, <laughs> one of my soldiers checked in today and I. He was seeing how we were doing, you know, with all the snowpack. And I said, well, how are you? And he showed his front yard. You know, there's like that much water sitting in it. And so I sent him a, a note saying, hey, when's the whitewater rafting trip in your, you know, in your front yard? Because Southern California, if we get trickles, you know, we're flooded. So right. how, how, you guys get some rain down there last night? Uh, yeah, we, we did. We got some rain. Um, we actually got snow. It was out on Saturday. Nothing that stuck, but just bizarre, Crazy. you know. Crazy, <laughs> and you know how it is in California. We we don't know how to drive in the rain or the snow, so yeah. it's just chaos. Yeah, yeah, it it's not so. You know, we're three Californians talking about this, so uh, we get excited <laughs> about stuff like that. You know, hey, I, I, I looked up, I looked up the Mexico Cafe. Uh, it's getting up there. Um, it was founded in 1951. Wow, way before us. Yeah. <laughs> way before us. Wow. And, yeah, and, and I'm telling food, you, man. it's really good food. And they're real supportive of law enforcement. Law enforcement's really supportive of them. Uh, yeah. We used to go there all the time for lunch or dinner, you know, as a reserve. And uh, Michael, we, we sat in there. And we, you know, that last day we were in there, the CHP was having a little meeting, you know, at the restaurant. Yeah. They have all the canines, you know, they support the canine units there in San Bernardino. And that's kind of a rough neighborhood, too, now. It used to be a really yeah. nice neighborhood. And you got to watch your bag. You don't stop and get gas there. Hey, that's that's the deal. If you want good Mexican food, you, you sometimes have to go to uh, challenging parts of the neighborhood. It's, they know that's what's up. <laughs> so you were you were supposed to be here. So um, kind of introduce yourself. But we're gonna we're gonna we're still gonna have our our big podcast with you here because I think our energy is so cool when we're together. Uh, but go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, your book, your amazing book, and then we'll we'll jump into this. Sure, sure. So yeah, my name is Michael Barnett, and uh, I came out of kind of the brand and the marketing world and discovered really a white space in the customer service world where you could have some great marketing campaigns, but often things would fall apart at the customer service level. And so really found myself transitioning into that space and identifying six commonalities that businesses that deliver exceptional customer service, the Nordstrom's, the Ritz-Carlton, Disney, so on and so forth. Six commonalities that they have, and I call that process, if you do all six of those together, customer relationship imprinting. And so I have a book by that name, Customer Relationship Imprinting. It's the, yeah, there you go. There it is. Yeah. It's the six elements to ensure exceptional service without exception. And so I really try to help businesses move from acceptable customer service to exceptional customer service and purposely the title the word relationship is in there because 
relationship is so crucial to our customers. It, it's not just a transactional um, business, or if it is, you're not you're not achieving this customer relationship in printing. So, in a nutshell, that's what I do: try to help companies uh, speak um, to different organizations. And uh, spoke at SEMA with you guys this year, and that was a blast. And then, yeah, just uh, try to do some consulting and help businesses really move their service in the right direction. So that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. So I'm going to go back. Let's go way back for a lot of you. Uh, it doesn't seem that far back for Michael and I. But, you know, we met in high school. Uh, I kind of felt bad for some of the kids that came. To the, we called it the terrace, Grand Terrace, because, uh, you know, you guys had kind of stuck all together. And then they bust you into the school down at Colton. And uh, it was different, right? I mean, going to Colton. I mean, even though you grew up around Colton, you know, all of a sudden being emerged into uh, Colton life, uh, you and I have never talked about that. How, how was that? It, it had to be a different vibe. Well, you know, it, it's funny. Um, you know, when you're young, you kind of don't know better. And so, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think a lot of it. I, I knew that, you know, I went to uh, Grand Terrace Elementary and kind of up there. And then, yeah, I went to Colton, which was, you know, probably 80, 80% Hispanic. But I don't know that I ever... Uh, ever felt odd man out or yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of love the culture too. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just not a weird transition for me at all. But, <clears throat> um, but what I did find is after high school, um, I had to be careful because I so was familiar with the Hispanic culture that if I was talking to, um, somebody that, that was Hispanic, um, I had to just kind of be careful because I felt so comfortable in that culture that often it'd be like, like, why are you talking like you, you know, like you're, you're, you understand the Mexican culture, but you know, uh, right. I kind of did. And, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of my friends, uh, you know, eight, like I said, probably about 80% of people from Colton high were Hispanic and loved it. You know, just, I, I thought that was cool, but yeah. So, uh, Loved the, the high school experience overall and uh, didn't really see any weird transition. I actually went to uh, junior high in my freshman year in, in Hemet in San Jacinto. And so that was probably more of a culture shock because these guys, you know, were all cowboys and all this stuff. And I was just, you know, a kid from Grand Terrace moving there for a couple of years. And that was bizarre, you know, um, um, kids saying, hey, you want to chew some tobacco? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what so that was that? that was probably... Yeah, that was bizarre, you know, comparatively for sure. Um, well, well, yeah, that leads you right into. I I've got a note here that Mike was a, was simply a good kid, and that drew me to him like a moth to a light bulb. Is that I think, you know, I kind of led you into that because I think is in this discussion of relationships. You know, a lot of what you get out of things and what you put in, and everything is. It's about what you put into it. And you were this kid when we first met. I think we met like literally the first couple of days of high school. You just, it didn't matter who you were with or what you were with or what group you were surrounded with, or you just lit up the world around you. And not in a way of capturing attention, but in a capturing just that you were a good person and that you took interest in people at that young of age. And you had a lot of varied interest. You, you were a Renaissance kid of the time. You know, and I think both of us kind of were that way is that we didn't have a single focus is we had multiple focuses. We can we could blend in with multiple cultures, multiple, you know, platforms in life. We had 
when we went, you know, we grew up, we had people with money, we had people with nothing, you know, and there was people, it wasn't just the Latino pocket. We had one of, I won't mention his name, but somebody that you and I both know, you know, um, he was one of the poorest kids in our school, you know, and he lived in a, a pretty, a pretty tough trailer. Uh, I won't even call it a trailer park. I mean, it was just, so we had all these different variations did that help you at kind of moving forward and building relationships up? I mean, I remember you when we were young and we we're figuring things out and you're working at the print shop, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and again, you know, I had my first business. We we're both just getting our feet wet. Right. And I came in to get some stuff, you know, printed and you worked with me and your team worked with me. Does that, how, how much of that plays into you just being like 360? Is that natural or is that something that you worked on from a young age? You know, it's, it's a good question. Um, going back to high school, I think you and I share that in common. I think that's kind of why we connected, especially even after, um, you know, more recently is you also had those qualities where, um, you know, we went to high school in the 80s where you had your new wave kids, your metal kids, your, you know, your gangbangers, you, you know, very, very clear, you know, definitions of the group that you hung with. But I don't know that you and I, um, didn't have friends in all of those, yep. you know, all those groups. And, and, uh, yeah. And I think that that was maybe a little bit unique. Um, I just, you know, tried to be cool with everybody. And I think that that was you as well. Um, I, you know, both my mother and my father, I think had, um, had the ability to, they, they, they never met a stranger, you know, my mom, our, our house growing up, I had, I had kids that were older than me that were always over at the house eating dinner with us. My mom just had that infectious. She was a great cook, which didn't uh, hurt. But um, our house is that house where we had, you know, non-family members in the house all the time, almost daily. And so, yeah, it was I think it was just kind of how I was raised and just it definitely has served well in just life and relationships because you realize that's the value that you bring and that's the value that you get from from any business it's really the relationships not not just the transaction stuff and not just the um you know we all got a pair of bills but at the end of the day you want to do business with people you actually enjoy spending time with so you know for a for a short time in my 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 young life you know i was put in a special ed i had a learning disorder and i really could have gone down three roads um you know followed the direction of of my family and either gone down the the substance road or the criminal road, you know, uh, or just tucked myself inside, which was happening and being real shy. Or I could just say, hey, man, um, these people are going to judge me. It's not me. It's a it's a short term situation and I'm going to get through this. And I just decided, you know, when I was 10 or 11 years old, I had to pick myself up. Nobody was going to be here to help me. So for those people, I, I, I come in, and I know that that you know you and i kind of were fortunate because families my mom italian spoke you know hands 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 and touching and hands and hands and storytelling grandma's is a little more reserved but really big into storytelling and sharing we had an environment that kind of grew our personalities and we could be 360 degrees what about people what's your take on people that maybe weren't you know that are shy and how important is it for the work for them to work out of their shell and how do they work out of their shell? Let's give them some input there. Yeah, no, it's great. I, real quick. I want to go back to, you know, you've shared with me before just some of the challenges you had um, in being in special ed and some of the things that you were dealing with. 
And I, I think the, the thing that's I want to make sure everybody's clear on is we never know the baggage that other people are carrying. Mm-hmm. And so when Maybe. we talk about developing relationships, it's easy to look from afar or we think we know somebody's life and we kind of immediately analyze it and think, oh, yeah, I know what they're about. And the truth is we don't know what anybody's about. And we need to find ourselves being empathetic and trying to figure out um you know, how to have relationships with people in such a way that we'll talk about this obviously a little bit, but um, boundaries and that sort of thing. But I think the thing that stood out to me when we kind of reconnected is I didn't realize the challenges that you were facing in high school. Um, And sometimes, you know, we forget about that. We look at people, especially now social media, we look at people online, wow, their life's all together. They got it all the, oh, look at all the fun they're having. And the truth is there's other things going on. So, but to your, to your question about personality, um, I think, I think one of the challenges, um, especially you and I have, have maybe a more outgoing personality and it's easy for us to make some of the, those connections. And I think whoever you are, if you're an introvert, you know, don't try to be an extrovert, just, you know, I think it's being you. Um, I think for me, I've learned a lot over the last few years about introverts because I always saw introverts as shy people. And so for me, I learned, well, it's just, it's not the case. They get their energy from being maybe alone, whereas I get my energy from being in a group setting. And so I, I think that's the first thing when you start thinking about who you are, you have to really understand what it is that, that you need to, to be filled up. For me, I'll walk away from this interview motivated and, and filled up in our time together because I'm an extrovert and, and this, an introvert may have a hard time after this. I mean, rest after this, right? So some of it is just knowing who you are. And some of it is realizing um, what you bring to the table in terms of the other relationships, both business and, and personal. So I don't know if that answers the question, but. No, it really helps. You know, I remember getting to I, high school. I, I actually was a real struggle because I was coming out of special ed. And I was actually, you know, I just had ADD and I had, I'm, I'm uh, alphabetically dyslexic. You know, I'm not that it's not severe, but it, it those two combinations, you know, and then as I've gotten older, it's developed into ADHD, which brings it a whole new, you know, look squirrel, um, you know, I'm all over the place. But mm-hmm. also, I've just decided again at different platforms in my life, this is who I am. And I accepted myself. And I think that's a big part of it. But, yeah. you know, I going to junior college, believe it or not, and I was I was. I always consider myself not a smart person. And for a long time, many people told me that, you know, that I would be nothing. I couldn't get an education. I'd probably be lucky to get it in, even into junior high, more or less through junior high or, you know, high school is almost out of the question. But yet I hold, you know, bachelor's and master's degrees, you know, is part of it was, is don't let, don't tell yourself those things. Yeah. People are going to tell you whatever they want to tell you. It's your decision to listen. And every once in a while, I got to remind myself, hey, man, you know, this is who I am. And it's part of those boundaries we'll get into here in a bit. But I'll tell you, getting up and just facing the fact that, you know, um, it, it, I struggled in school. And yet when I got into junior college, I wanted to succeed so bad that when they call on somebody, I was usually the first to put my hand up and give the answer. And 25, 30 percent of the time I was wrong. I didn't care. I used it as a learning opportunity in a way to de, to detune myself from crit, 
self-criticizing self myself to a point where I was, I was absolutely sabotaging myself. And so you know, one, I was one of, the, one of the things in the entrepreneurial world is you have people putting out there that they got their act together and follow me because I, you know, I know where I'm going, boys, you know. But, you know, the people that seem to be most successful are the ones that have the humility to ask the questions like, hey, how do you do that? I don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I'm good at this, but I don't know how to. And, and that's that's been that's been a process for me as well to just kind of learn um, and realize that the more you put out there that you are the man or you are the woman, you know, you got it together. Uh, when people do that, I, I see right through that. And I'm like, I, this, is, this doesn't feel authentic, you know? And so trying to also be that guy to say, okay, I have enough humility to say, Hey, I don't understand what it is you're talking about. I have a, a, a entrepreneur, entrepreneur friend of mine that he starts talking about um, the way he does finance and the way he does some of these deals. And I'm like, lost you know I'm like okay break this down you know and so uh some of it is just that piece i think um humility goes a long way in any new relationship right if you if you're whether it's a marital relationship or business relationship if you're always right or if you're always the top dog or if you're always the alpha you know at some point you wear people down and not in a good way and so trying to trying to just have some humility, I think is, is a good thing. And I'm, I'm learning that, you know, I don't always get that right for sure. Um, but trying to learn that piece of, like you said, being in the room and asking questions, um, it's easy to feel intimidated and say, well, I don't want to, you know, you go back to that little kid when you're in elementary school, I don't want to look dumb, you know, but right. the more that we just realize, Hey man, there's so much to learn. I think there's some value. And, and even at, you know, at our age, uh, it's really a, about learning to, uh, to learn, you know, and choosing to learn by keeping keeping the mouth closed and the ears open, you know. Well, each platform you go to, and it doesn't matter. I've I've met entrepreneurs, some of my biggest, the people that I admire the most. A lot of them are past, you know. They're they're gone, you know. They're 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 uh, the library they book uh, that they built, you know, through their lives is uh, onto the uh, onto some amazing things, you know, in the spiritual world, but. I've got people that are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s that I look at them, and it just blows me away that they're they're not that they're still going. It's that they're they're pat that 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 passion candle is brighter than it ever has been, and and I think, and then you look at some people that are in their 30s, there is no passion candle. There is no there is no glow. It's well, almost like a don't you think some of it is within the bubble of being a business owner or being an entrepreneur? It there has been some of the stuff out there that if you're just the guy posting everything, and if you're just the guy um, that is, um, you know, got your financial goals, you want to make a million dollars this year, doing this, that, and the other. Um, we see some of the models out there, so we think, oh yeah, I'm going to get rich. It's it's the money piece, right? But the people that seem to be the happiest, you know, it says, I've heard the saying that the good life is built with good relationships. And the people that tend to, that you're describing, have that passion candle that, that's still burning, I suspect that they have <clears throat> the healthier relationships because they've realized at some point that you cannot trade dollars for relationships. And 
you know, there's a lot of people that are that are financially rich but relationally poor, and so, um, you know, one of my one of my favorite movies is uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and I, I think that's such a great, you know, microcosm when you look at the the character Mr. Potter. He was financially rich; he owned everything in town, but he was miserable. And George Bailey, right? He was, you know, didn't have any money, but he was relationally rich. And so, I think entrepreneurs in general would do well to understand that the real value and the real richness of business life is in this. It's in the relationship because when the podcast is over, you and I are still going to have a, a relationship. We're not doing just doing business together to, you know, further my company or your company. And I think the more we understand and really develop that piece, I, I think the better business will be in general. But I know for me, the more I invest in relationships, um, but really the happier I am in, and not so much focused on, oh, I got to hit these financial goals, not that we shouldn't have them, but you know, that relational piece I think is so critical. So, you know, uh, Michael, and a lot of people will come back and say, you know what though, I'm in the service business or, or, uh, you know, um, I, I, I own a hospice care company or, you know, whatever it is, is really what's relationships going to do for me in, in my industry. Does it, does it even matter what industry you're in? Uh, I'm going to give, okay, I'm going to give you a, something from, you know, a big part of my life has been dealing with search and rescue. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've dealt with a lot of, of we've had we've, interactions with the morgue. Um, I've seen really, most morgue technicians are fabulous is they realize that the people coming in to their environment, it's one, if not the worst day of their lives. And yet you see these people, it's been very, I can't really, I can't think of a bad experience is, is here's somebody that's dealing with, not, most of us don't want to ever do that, you know? Um, yet their, their relationship skills were pretty spot on. Um, even my own mom, we had to deal with that. You know, it's it hit, it hit pretty close to home for me. You know, all these years of of dealing with other people, you know, and, and morgues and death and everything else, and it, it got it got me. It got to me, you know, firsthand. And um, the most gentle young man, and he under, you, you could you could see he understood emotions, and he knew I didn't want to take and let anybody get near my mom. And he walked me through that process being half my age. I don't think it matters what industry you're in. I don't think you can hide behind a phone or a, a keyboard. Can you? Well, you, you bring up a good question. You, you really have two mindsets. I think there's people that use relationships to advance their business or use relationships to, um, to get ahead in some way. And they're already off off you know the path i think as you invest in relationships for relationships sake it's always interesting how business works itself out um and so you know i would caution people if they're thinking oh yeah here's how i can use relationship in my business they may already you know be asking the wrong questions i think you know one a book that i read um several years ago and um and bob berg wrote a book called the go-giver and I would recommend anybody, as we're talking about this, that that book is stellar because it's really what we're talking about. It's 
understanding it's not about being a go-getter. It's about being a go-giver and investing in other people. And so, you know, it's a fictional story, but um, it, it really, for anybody in business or anybody trying to develop relationships for relationships sake, it's a great book. But yeah, I think, uh, I think relationships, I, I've said this for years, um, it's all about relationships because regardless if you're working at a morgue, if you're working at Del Taco, if you're um, a, you know, media mogul, it is really about the proximity you have with the people you're interacting with. I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, oh, yeah, I met so-and-so. Oh, yeah, he's kind of a jerk. Oh, man, you know, you meet your hero and you're disappointed and that sort of thing. It's because you want to you feel like you have some sort of relationship with them. And then when you meet him, it's not what you had hoped it would be. But um, but the opposite is true as well. Like we can we can dive deep into relationship. And on the customer side, I found the people that are the most successful are those that have you know, the marathon um, outlook or, or, or really the giving out outlook that, hey, I'm just here to give because, you know, you and I have walked people to the end of their life. You know, I, I was I was a youth pastor for years and I've I've sat by somebody's bed of, you know, all ages and, and watched them pass. And there is not a single person that has said, man, I wish I just made a few more dollars or I wish I had, you know, gone on a few more vacations. No, it was all about who would I love? who loved me and what I, what I did for the Lord. It was really those three things. And so as we think about this in context of business, it, it really, the world is filled with uh, lonely entrepreneurs that think they're doing it all for the hustle. And, you know, they're working 24 seven. That's not healthy. That's not, we weren't built to do that. We were built to be in relationship with one another and the value of relationship um, is beyond anything else that we have, you know? And so I, I was excited about kind of talking about this because I, I believe so strongly that it's really this interaction, this, this relational interaction that, that separates certain business leaders from others. It's not, you know, oh, they have a better product or something, they have a better deal or their marketing's better. All those things are fine, but it's really the relationship, especially as I get older, I wanna do business with people that I want to do business with, not because I need to make a few dollars. You know, um, you, you got to look real quick, Chris, just to add to that. You got to look at that too, is a lot of people miss that. What's the average, what's the age of their, of their people that they're, they're servicing? Because the importance of relationships to us at, 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 it means something different at different ages. So if you're sure. 25 years old and relationships don't matter, well, it does to that 55 year old customer that you're blowing off and, and, and you're, you're running a sprint versus a marathon. Chris, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, this, this also reminds me a little bit about what you, you often talk about making deposits and, and not just withdrawals in your community, right? Well, that's, that's your relationship with your community. Um, but you know, the same, the same advice goes for your relationships with people, right? If you're, if you're in that relationship, just so you can get a little something out of it, that's not really a real relationship, right? And you, you need to you need to give as well as receive to kind of complete that whole circle, I think. Amen. You know? Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, Michael, um, I think the key to this is that we had a great young man here in training uh, just 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 a couple weeks ago. And and I was telling him the difference between him and I is, you know, he's in his early 20s is that um, he hasn't been older and gone through 
the greatness and hardships of life because there are both. Anybody that tells you it's just great, 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 great. Uh, well, wow, maybe there's 1%, I don't know, but hadn't been in our lives, right? None of our lives. All of us that are on the screen right now have had hardships uh, and struggles. Um, but I told him, I said, the one thing that you haven't experienced yet is what I have experienced. And not that it makes me better, it just makes me wiser. Uh, I've been young before and know the mistakes that have been, you know, that are easy to make. You haven't, you haven't made it to the, to, to the, to the summit yet. Let me show you the easier route, you know, is that, man, I knocked every rock down on my head on the way up that you can imagine. And that was having amazing mentors, you know? So Rooney, uh, what, what would you say would be like maybe a couple things, two or three things that you would tell somebody about relationships to find that that quicker route to the summit. What are, what are a couple of things that you would recommend? You know, you hit. I want to be sincere. Um, you know, be sincere with it, meaning that don't just take withdrawals, put deposits back into those relationships. You know, as I'm sitting here, one of my mentors is calling, probably to check on us. You know, see how it is. How cool is that? Is that yeah. you know this guy's giving a giving a given, but he knows I care about him. We check on each other, right? Um, and so I think three things is I, I think be sincere. You know, it, it goes both ways. Uh, number 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 two, don't ever sell anything that you don't believe in. I've had to do that to pay the bills sometimes, and I can I can go back and it wasn't not a big deal, but I would, there's no passion behind like, it. Yeah, yeah. there was just and I just I wouldn't buy it. And so if I won't buy it, why are you selling it? Type thing. That's just me. Uh, and then, and then lastly, this is going to sound weird. Be your own friend, be a friend to yourself, because if you, if you can't get in and know yourself and if you can't like yourself and if you can't, you know, we, ha I, I don't know how everybody feels. I think, I think there's two, there's polar opposites on this. I'm ultra critical of myself. I'm ultra demanding on myself. Um, that's tough. And so, You've got to know when to be a good friend to yourself and pull yourself off yourself. When to know to, hey, stop, stop, you know, stop. One of my good friends saw me speak at Di to Diane, my wife, one time at SEMA. You know, I didn't scream at her or anything else, but he didn't like the tone I used. Jim Gogan didn't like the tone I used with my wife. Man, he got in my face, and he had no problem sharing with me that he didn't like the tone. Um, it, that needs to help with yourself. And so yeah. I think being a friend of yourself, a good friend of yourself, and what do we do as friends? We protect them. And a lot of people don't protect themselves. They, they abuse themselves. Well, you know, it's funny, Randy. You know, the, the thing about relationships is, I mean, <clears throat> it's this interaction that we have. You know, people that isolate themselves from any relationships don't aren't able to get the feedback loop that they need, really. Um, we've talked a little bit offline. You know, oftentimes one of the things I struggle with, I'm too trusty. I kind of, you know... Um, go down the road with somebody uh, maybe for too long. And, you know, I think it's easy to also forget that relationships change. And sometimes you have, you have this time where you're building trust with somebody and they're building trust with you. But then you have other times that maybe their priorities are different and yours are too. And, and being flexible with the change of that relationship, you know, I think those are important things. The other thing, you know, you said something earlier that made me think, I, I've always said that whatever you do, you should do it somewhere for free. And so as a musician, you know, I would play places for free, even though there's places I play to get paid. And there's, we should offer our services, you know, in the detailing world, maybe it's offering that single mom 
to uh, to take care of our car once every couple months. Or we should all have places because we were built to serve and we were built for relationship. And if our only interactions with people are based around them paying us or us paying them, it's all transactional. And so we really need to find places and find opportunities um, where we're doing whatever we do for free somewhere and, and offering it as, you know, a, a gift that we give people. So I think, mm. I think those are even in relationships and we're, you know, being married, you, you try to do things for your spouse, not because you're going to try to get something out of it, but because you just want to do something for them because you care and, you know, you want to serve them. So I think that word serve, it, it just keeps coming up when it talks about relationships. Because anybody walking into a relationship, whether it's interpersonal or business, trying to think, what can I get out of this? They're already sunk, right? And so if so we can walk in, what can I give? What can I, what can I, how can I provide value? You know, before our talk today, I wrote down some notes of what I can do to provide value, not, oh, what can I get out of this? And, and I think it's just the mindset we have to have when we are working with people, right? It, and, and, and those, I, I, gosh, I remember going back to, you know, you're, you're, you're getting all this, this worldly knowledge, you know, in the print industry, right? And we did, we did business with your business. Here I am. I've, we've got a, a window covering and window tending company at that time. You know, man, we're both in our, my, we're, we're both in our early twenties, right? We're making it, I mean, we're, we're making it happen, but man, we're spinning our wheels. There's a lot of smoke coming off those wheels, right? But every time I'd come in, you'd grow. And, and I don't mean as a business, I mean as your skill set, your communications. And then, you know, we got busy raising kids and everything else, and then social media pops up and bam, you know, we start becoming close again. Um, yeah. I, I like to hear your three things. What are three things? You just asked me that question. So if you had to lay down you know, three things that are important to you in that relationship. We're going to get into relationship Velcro. I just love that freaking term uh, here in a second. What, what is that? What is that? I think definitely um, at the top of that list is always choose relationships over the business hmm. because business will come and go. But if you're, if you're burning bridges and burning people um, at some point you run out of relationships. And so, for me, the first one would be make sure that you, you choose relationships above other things. Um, and sometimes that's hard to do because you're, you're put in positions where you can choose to keep the relationship, um, but it's going to have a negative impact on the business. Or you can choose to, you know, kind of, you know, push back on a relationship so you can get better business. And so... I think that's one of them. I think you, we have to be relational centric, if you will. Um, I think another, you know, cliff notes that I'd give to somebody that thinking about, okay, what does a relationship look like? I think find places where, where the giving of your relationship is also appreciated. Oftentimes we try to have relationships with other businesses that they're, they're more interested in the business than in the relationship or there's not a, a match. And so find places where, where you fit, you know, it's easy to um, try to push who you are on certain types of people. And again, it's going back to what you said, kind of knowing yourself and knowing what, what works. And then um, thirdly, I would say, you know, never stop trying to learn about yourself and the people around you. 
um, whether it's you're looking at Enneagrams or Myers-Briggs test or whatever it is, just try to understand people because oftentimes we don't know, A, what people are dealing with, B, what their past has been, C, what their emotional makeup is. And, and it's easy to be dismissive of, oh, that person, they're, they're really short. They're, they're really, you know, gruff. Well, if you knew the life they had or you knew some of the details that they were dealing with, it might change your perspective. So I, those would be at least three things for me. That, that I did. You know, it comes down to, uh, you just said something, always make it about, you know, relationships before business. But there's also that, you, you mentioned it, and we're both guilty of this, that ultimate trust that you just believe everybody's going to do right by you. And so yeah. with that, I think with my, my, Michael, we, we, we let's go here for a second. Then I got a really interesting question that just popped up on my phone. Uh, is is There's got to be boundaries set. And yeah. listen, put the relationship out there. But when people keep breaking those boundaries, what do you do? You know, that that is a hard thing. And, and I am guilty of having boundaries that move. <laughs> and <laughs> again, sometimes for the sake of I don't I don't I don't like conflict. And so if I can avoid conflict and, you know, not the boundaries start to move. And oftentimes there's regret. You know, I'm fortunate that my wife, um, different personality than me, that she recognizes, hey, somebody just stepped over that boundary, you, you know you need to consider that. And then that's, that's been one of the helpful things in growing me as a person in our marriage. And I think she'd say the same is, is true that I, I help her to soften some of those boundaries. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think those are serious challenges. Um, I think you have to, when I do it right, I don't set myself up for failure by having bigger expectations than I should on the relationship. It's like a Reagan used to say, trust, but verify, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, I'll trust you, but I, but I want to make sure that w as we're walking down this path, I'm paying attention to some of the markers that something isn't right. I don't just blow it off. Oh, well, they wouldn't do that. They're a good guy or she's a, she's a good gal. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's one of the harder things in for me is not only having the boundaries, but having the awareness that maybe people aren't valuing the relationship the same way that I do. Because I'm usually all in, like, hey, also good to see you, you know, that sort of thing. And um, oftentimes I'm not thinking what they're thinking about the relationship. So some of it, that, that's a learning curve for me. You know, I, I've come up with a new method. It's, it's a matrix. A couple things, even with my family. So we've got, uh, share a little insider view into the Doyle household. Is In our kitchen, we've got a huge, this huge island, right? And it's got a sink, a, just kind of a bartender sink in it, and then their main sink. And uh, my co-residents here, my family, uh, likes to use the uh, likes to use the secondary sink as the recycle bin. That's where the, everything that's going to go out in the recycling trash can outside. Well, that goes well. Now that was it's kind of a pet peeve, and I hate it. I've been fighting it for four years, you know, since we bought this property. Uh, but now we've got a puppy that likes to yank everything out of there, and whatever's in there is shredded. So. I, I've talked a lot. And I figured, okay, you know what? Talking's not working. I set this boundary. And so uh, last week, we uh, the snow started coming in. I had kind of everybody locked down, right? I had their attention. I said, guys, you know, one of my fetishes is this, this, this whole thing of not having our sinks look like a garbage can. And it's just not working. So what I've decided to do 
is, Diane, I know you like Dr. Pepper. When I see Dr. Pepper in there, I'm going to take those items, not going to say anything because it's just, you know, it's not worth it, but I'm just going to put, put them in your bathroom sink. And Darren, when I see your recycle stuff in there, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to divide and conquer is we're all going to be happy because you guys like to put recyclables into sinks and I like a clean sink. So guess what? I'm going to clean up after you. There hasn't been one thing put in that sink. I finally, four years, I figured it out. I, and you know what? It wasn't arguing. It wasn't everything else. I figured an action that would finally work. The other thing on the business side of things, Chris really hasn't heard this. The third night that I, I lose sleep over somebody, I probably need to, that, that relationship needs to go away. If I'm losing sleep over you, we don't have a good business relationship. Now, if I did something to you, good thing. But if we keep, and, and boy, that's so suggestive today, you know, I mean, there's just, you know, the blame gain, lack of ownership. You know, ownership is, it's, it's a big hot topic that, love, that people love to talk about, but they sure don't like to perform it, you know. Uh, it should be extreme, extreme blame ownership, you know, or extreme blame skills because some people are really good at it. Right. But I've just decided, hey, you know what? At this person at the third at the third night of lost sleep or no sleep, I've got to rethink our relationship. And probably at that point, well, talking about it, it's not 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 going to work. We, we all have to have to to your point, we have to have, a you know, those barometers that tell us when we need to really evaluate and, and it sounds like you've you've found one in in that um yeah it, it's it's challenging as you get into this idea of trying to salvage a relationship or trying to build a relationship um when there's been issues right and so you have different personalities some people say okay you burn me i'm out you know you have other people that put up with too much and it's finding that balance because relationships also aren't perfect and you have to you know the most unsexy but best um description of marriage i ever heard is it's daily forgiving each other well it doesn't yeah. sound very exciting but it's also very yeah. true you know my my wife because of our relationship forgives me on a regular basis and i do the same and so it is that challenge again it goes back to that relationship if if we're building relationships um i had a, i had somebody i was working with um kind of a, a high profile person if i told you their last name you would know who it is um on the business scale you know they're written best-selling books that sort of thing yeah i was doing yeah, work yeah yeah i was doing work for them and we came at an impasse where they didn't they didn't like what I was the, the final product that I was giving them. And I was like, this is, this is really, I'm giving you everything you asked for and more. But what happened was we both walked away from that saying, you know what? It just didn't work out. Um, we figured out financially what that looked like for both of us. And it worked out because I valued the relationship more than I valued you know, the money that, that was being um, earned or, or whatever. And they also saw that we can, we can work this through. And we did. And I think those are important things that, especially a personality like mine, that I just don't want to have any problems. I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with it. Um, it was good for me to walk through that path of saying, okay, what do we need to do to deal with the issue? And I think we need to keep the issues separate from the relationship. 
it isn't always about bailing on the relationship because there was an issue. If we did that, how many relationships will we have, right? But it's understanding what is that tipping point. Um, years ago, I was in business with a gentleman and his grandfather owned California Driving School. So he, he came up that second steering wheel member in, in driver's yeah, ed. He actually yeah. invented that. He taught Michael Jackson how to drive, you know. And so he's a very wealthy guy. So the guy that I was in business with, that was his grandfather. He went to his grandfather and said, hey, I'm going into business with this guy. Give me some advice. And great advice. He said, everything will probably turn out well, but you need to plan on the front end like it won't. And just, I, I think just having those expectations was great. We were able to kind of get to the table before there were any issues and say, okay, what do we want to do it? And, you know, we, we did business together for a while and then we stopped, but we still have a relationship and we stopped just because the business didn't make sense for either one of us. Um, we were just doing other things. There was no great fallout, but I think those are, those are good, good opportunities for us to learn from when we say, okay, what, like you said, with, with your family, they already know the expectations. They put something in the sink. Um, I, I had a friend of mine that on his 30 year wedding anniversary, he walked his wife to the bathroom. He said, for 30 years, we've been having the toilet paper hang over. He turned it around and he goes, all right, now we're doing it my way. And so we all, we all have our things that we do. Yeah, yeah we have all like our things that we do, but, but I think it's important that we, again, that we fight for the relationship part of it. Even if it's, we're not gonna have much of a relationship with them, but we, we value that. I think that's, that's how we value the relationships. That's how we put up the boundaries. We let people know on the front end, hey, look, if you, you know, if you lie to me, I'm out. You know, if, if you embarrass me in front of a client, like we're done or what, you know, whatever your, your boundaries are. And I think trying to stick to those, I think that's, that's the key. But I think it is that piece uh, of valuing that relationship and dealing with the junk along the way. You know, you said something about the plan is we always have uh, going back one of my one of my, you know, I'm 20 nothing years old and I get on I get on. Uh, I'm in I'm in unit 214 black sheep. Um, these guys are just some hardcore. Um, some of them are older uh, my age where I'm at now and they just know their shit. And I remember that uh, they kept on briefing about the first thing to die, the first thing to die. And I was like, Jesus, what the hell have I gotten myself into? You know, the first thing to die. And um, what that was is the meaning when they get on any mission, the first thing that dies on any mission is the plan. Is, is that if anything's going to die first, it's the plan. If anybody's going to die, it's because of the plan. Uh, and so Sipper Gumby, you know, is, is just stay flexible. Uh, it's the same thing in relationships, man. Right? You're you're long time married. Chris is long time married. I'm, you know, we we. If you're not given two hundred percent in a marriage, there's times Diane can only give me one hundred percent. It's times that I can only give her fifty. It's okay because her two hundred percent is going to cover. My two hundred percent is going to cover. It's not a fifty fifty thing, you know. And business is the same way. Your business clients are the same way. There are there were clients I did not work Sundays. Just didn't. Rarely, but there was clients and I didn't work holidays, but a very famous guy I'm heartbroken about right now. What's going on with him is Bruce Willis. He, you know, we became, you know, not, we became friendly. He, he had my number. I had his, um, saw him at, you know, father daughter dances came up with the, you know, when, when he was a prime movie star is when I knew him, 
you know, when I was, when I was, when I was tight and doing business with him and, and a friendship, right. Um, you know, it, 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 it was, it, it was so he would call, he was one of the guys because he always took care of our guys. And I remember one 4th of July, he called and needed something done. Ashton Kircher, matter of fact, him and Demi were divorced. Ashton, Ashton Kircher's dog, had shit all over his airplane. And, and Bruce has to go down to LA the next day to pick up some guests to bring him back up to Idaho. And, you know, I made it happen because it was a relationship. There's other, you know, my, my mentor now, Vince, um, he, he just called. He, when he called on a Sunday, I knew he wasn't going to waste my time. He wasn't demanding something. He was, he was, he was requesting, this was an SOS call. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I knew who the SOS calls were and I knew who were, who would put deposits into me for me putting deposits into them. I knew who was just going to take and take and take and take. And, you know, I kept his customers cause their, their money was the same, but I, we didn't let them abuse us. That was our bad. If they did it, we set well, that boundary. Don't you, think, don't you think one of the most telling things is when your phone rings and if it's a Sunday or you're busy and you see the name on it and whatever that feeling comes to like, Oh, it's so and so. Like, it really calls. I'm going to pick up that call. But oh, this yeah. other person calls. Like, man, I know they just want me to do X. You know, yep. and I think yep. that's that's a great a great sign. I, I had my phone ringing the other day, and um, I hadn't heard from this person in a long time, and I was happy to pick up the phone call because they're a depositor, not just a withdrawer. You know, wow. in the relationship. And you know, we talked a little bit offline about um, investing in deeper relationships is the hardest thing to do because you got to be vulnerable, but it's the most rewarding thing you can do because of what we're talking about. When, you know, one of the gifts of COVID is people started realizing, Hey, it's not about the job I'm working. It's not about the money I'm making. They got to spend a lot of people, you know, got to be quarantined with their families and realize, wow, I've been missing out. And they realized what the relationships were, what were val valuable. And I think as we move forward in business, whatever type of business you do, it's keeping that mentality of how can we deepen these roots of the relationship, um, not for business sake, but just for human sake and for serving one another's sake. And then it, it is amazing how business gets built upon that very easily. It's a solid foundation to build. Wow, that's that's deep. We're, we're going to go long and I don't care if you don't care. Can you keep going? Because I got a couple I'm more good. questions. You know, during COVID, I realized a couple of things and I had somebody I do business with uh, accuse me of this just just probably about a six months ago um, is is, um, you know, you're isolated up in Big Bear. And, and my comeback, I, even realizing when you just said that now, I never had a comeback to that person. I don't really need to. I don't really care. I mean, I care about the person deeply. But what they don't get is COVID taught me something. I'm where I want to be. I love the mountains. And here everybody's like bitching about all the snow and stuff. I woke up this morning, saw these drifts, and I go, cool. And Diane goes, what the hell? I mean, are you – I mean, what's wrong with you? And I was like, God, this is – never leave the mountains. I mean, you this like is – You like a kid on Christmas morning. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, because this is like it was in Idaho. I'm where I want to be. And COVID proved that is that I, I worked my booty off. I grew up in not the greatest situations – all the way back, and you've never heard that. I don't even know Chris did. We had Colton Junior High. Do you know where Colton Junior High is? Oh, yeah. In Colton. So I grew up not – I mean, you could walk out my front door and see the field for Colton Junior High. Well, I had an old pair of World War II 
binoculars that my grandpa had used in World War II. And, and, and I would scan the mountains. And slowly, one of my neighbors was World War II vet. He saw that I just had this fascina fascination with maps and, and compasses and the binoculars. So he gave me a map, several maps of the San Bernardino Mountains. And slowly, he showed me how to identify key markers on the map, you know, hills, you know, uh, fingers, you know, coming down, um, all these different topics. And within a year from there, I could tell you exactly where each city on the mountains was located behind that. And I could tell you where every peak was in all the big strawberry peak, the radio tower, the big comm center, right in the middle of the San Bernardino Mountains. You know, I learned all about that. We ended up hiking up there as kids. I mean, what the hell? You know, it took us like three days. We could have got, we didn't, our parents didn't even know where, I don't think our parents cared because it's just a different time, right? Right. My my point to this is, is that I worked from the time I was seven, six or seven years old to be where I'm at. COVID taught me that, A, I'm blessed. And over the last three years, especially the last two years, I forgot that. And, and I became not me. I wasn't a friend to me. Uh, I didn't have a strong relationship with me. I put so much effort into other people that I become very um, self-destructive with myself. Well, that's and, okay. really some of that is we, we start drawing, especially in business, we start drawing from an empty well because we still have to do business every day. And so if we're not, if we're not spiritually centered or relationally centered, or we've got some of those things figured out, we have to keep putting the bucket in the well, unfortunately. And I, I think it goes back to what you said earlier about knowing yourself well enough to say, okay, I need to take a step back. And, and you and I both had some of those experiences over the past year of just saying, okay, I need to change because there's, I can't continue down this route mentally the way that I'm working through some of these things. And, um, you know, it's that high idea. And I find, you know, my relationships suffer when I don't figure out that piece. When I do figure out that piece and when I'm also investing in me, by, I find myself reading more. I find myself um, okay with downtime a little bit more. When I have those pieces, also my relationships are a little bit brighter and I'm able to give more because I'm not drawing from an empty well. I'm, you know, I'm overflowing with, oh, I, I read this today or I experienced this. And so I think it's easy to get in the doldrums as a, business owner as an entrepreneur because we're just doing the grind and the grind is that it will grind us down to nothing if we're not taking a step back and drawing from you know a, a well of, of information a spiritual well a well of uh, deep relationships um, I have a, a family member that I go um, deep sea fishing with who do tournaments uh, Marlin tournaments and so many of the people and these, you know, most of the people that are at these tournaments are, are very wealthy people. Um, most of these people are, um, in my view, when, when I talk to them, they're making great money, but, you know, they're, they're not as, as happy as you would think because that they have really invested in the business and not in the relationships. And so, um, it's easy to do. We all can do it. It has nothing really to do with money. It has to do with the mindset. And so if our mindset is to create more of that relational Velcro, which is creating more of those meaningful, re, you know, interactions with one another, that's, 
that's the stuff that's valuable. You know, I'm, I'm jotting. Uh, this is how I mean. These are notes for me, you guys. The, 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 these are notes I'm taking to better my right. Um, yeah. I want to. I want to share something. Okay. This is God. This is. This is if if. Hardships aren't just when you're starting out in business or you're just not starting out in life. Is that both of us, Mike and I, Chris too, we've seen some things happen in recent times in our lives that honestly, I just went through the most challenging 24 months of my entire life. Four things kept my well from going empty. My faith, my relationship with God, faith, number one. Number two, Diane is I, you know, what we went through could have absolutely destroyed a marriage. Hmm. And it's not because of her. We were, She was facing her own stuff, right? I was facing mine. You know, a lot of people ask, I think they get sick of hearing about Boomer, my dog. That dog, in the last 24 months, I'm not sure what I would have done without him. Is... He made an imp he, he printed me when I needed it. And then Chris, four things that kept my, my well from going dry. Cause it hadn't been up to me, Mike. And this is the strange thing is at the, at the tail end of all this, all of a sudden our friendship comes back into boom. You know, we, we were never like buddies, right? I mean, we were never like, Spend the night at each other's house. I couldn't have anybody spend the night at my house because, you know, it's just not going to happen. When I was growing up, our house was just too challenging. Uh, we'll put it that way. But the discussions that we had, Mike, were powerful. It's like this. My point to all this is I'm 56 years old. I've seen other people go through challenges where I've had to tell them that their, their son or daughter was dead, that their mom or dad was gone that one one lady just lost her whole entire family it was gone they did it at a much that i can't imagine I, I i pray to god and i thank god i haven't had to face that kind of challenge right but my own challenge one of the biggest ever came at 56 years old 55 and 56 years old you don't my point to all of this is i've let my well go to the half mark a couple times it was deep-rooted, invested relationships. Those people, those souls, kept pouring water in my well, my, my well when it was when it was empty, and I didn't know that's it was well, empty. They did. That's that's well put. I mean, I think I think that is a misnomer that we always have to be the one filling our well. I think um, what you're saying, I love it. Um, that it's really as other people. Um, pour in relationally then it's those times when we have something to draw from and and you know think about the four thing you said there's four things that that got you through this all four of those are relational oriented you didn't say man i have a really big bank yeah. account it really helped me get through this yeah. <laughs> time yeah. and, and and when the world comes down to the stuff we're really dealing with it is the relationship piece that that makes all the difference in the world because if you're if you're facing the worst thing in the world and there's nobody standing behind you or next to you, it's rough. But you, you know, can face anything if you if you get you know your God, God with you. You got family. I'm so grateful for you know for my wife that you know the stuff that she you know 
is there for me about um where you know some someone was saying you know what i'm 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 out <laughs> you know yeah, or yeah, you know no. this is we've been through this so many times you know what are we doing and, and i think you know that's true of, of any relationship it goes both ways that you learn how to um how to care for each other but it's those dark times that really um remind us also of what we have in terms of relationship and there's a lot of people honestly they go through tough times and they realize i don't have anybody i can really talk to that that's important that you recognize that and find a place where you can invest in because we we need to have people small group of people um you know i you and i've talked you know as as a christian i've always been fascinated that jesus came down he died on the cross he could have done that in the middle of the desert and still done satisfied what it needed to satisfy but he did it in the context of relationship with the disciples and the people he interacted with that's that's a model for us we we don't we could live in a bubble you know where we order all our food and nobody we never see another human we could do that but we weren't built for that and so the more we envelop uh, develop these relationships and i love what you're talking about in that we allow other people to pour into us that's really the stuff that fills us up because it, it reminds us that we all have something to give and to receive. If we can't receive from people, then then we also that's a whole other problem in a relationship. There's a lot of relationships that people can give, but they can't receive. And so it, it's got to have that balance of giving and receiving, right? You know, I, I always say this. I got a couple more questions and we'll, 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 we'll get out of here. Um, is that, uh, you know, some people are going to especially, you know, I'm always impressed with this younger generation. Honestly, a lot of the people that when we have this kind of a, a discussion with a, with, with, a, with, a, with a soul like you, with a professional like you, with a seasoned um, entrepreneur, uh, with a specialist, you know, we criticize this younger generation, but yet we get more impact and more input from the younger guys than we do. I think there's a lot of people that are in the they're 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 middle aged in entrepreneurship that are still thinking they're bulletproof, and what they're going to find out is that even though you've got that bulletproof vest on, your man, you take one hit, it hurts. You take multiple hits, I, I'm not sure you're going to come back from that. You're you know well, it could the bullet didn't kill you, but the impacts could. You and I are, are from a generation that you grin and bear it and you get it done. The young, the younger generation isn't that way, but the value that they bring is they also seem to recognize the value of relationship more than making a dollar. And there's a yeah. balance in, in all of that. But, you know, a lot of the, you know, 20 somethings and, and under get, you know, get a lot of heat for, you know, being snowflakes and, oh, they don't want to work and all those different things. And, you know, you can make a case for some of that, but, also, when you get under the hood of some of that, what they want is they want to develop the relationships that they do have rather than just make a living like their parents did. And so, you know, there's things that we can learn from every generation. I think that's something that, that we can God, learn from the younger generation is that to value the relationship beyond, um, beyond the paycheck. And even in the stuff, you know, that I talk about on the, on the customer service side, a lot of the businesses that I that I deal with is they struggle with this because they have employees that are asking to make more money. But what they're really wanting is they want to work for a company that has a mission mindset. 
they want to know that they're working for somebody that is doing something for others. You know, I've done some work with Harley Davidson and a lot of their employees, maybe they don't get paid at the store levels a ton of money, but a lot of people don't know this. Harley Davidson, they send care packages to overseas um, military, just free care, you know, headbands yep. and gloves and everything. And they just do that. And so if you're working at Harley Davidson, part of your mission is you know that you are caring and doing something for veterans. And so I think, I think that's where things are going with customer service and that's where things are going with business. People are realizing that I need to have a mission, not just a, um, not just a paycheck. And I think that those are things that we're learning from the younger generation that maybe, um, you know, a few generations before you and I, they had that as well, you know, that value of relationship. You know, that, uh, that, that kind of reminds me of, you know, people that are motivated by money versus people that aren't motivated by money. You know, I mean, I've always I've always told my wife how I envy her because she's got this career that she can actually see make an impact on people's lives because she's a teacher, you know, and uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, she decided at a certain point that she's going down that road because she's not motivated by the money and success. She's motivated by, you know, helping others, you know, uh, achieve their goals, essentially. Or, or achieve at least their expectations. So, you know, Chris, you know, and we're kind of in the same position. I, I, I honestly could have taken the money that we placed into the training centers. Uh, you see what we've got invested here. We talk about that all the time, and a lot of people don't realize it. My, and, you know, our customers you know, are, are the people that come here and train. Our customers are the people in the mafia. And, you you know, it's, it's discussions like these across the industry that, we make a like impact, you know, as we do make it, it's like Mike, Michael in his book, he makes an impact. Um, I am motivated by money. Definitely. You know, um, I like money. Um, I want a little more money. Um, <laughs> I want to, I want to, as I, as I age, I want to make it easier to make that money. Uh, but I also, I want to make the people that are, are, uh, are doing this along with me. I want to make it easier for them to realize what I've, I've, I've uh, realized, and not make it so hard on their life and the relationships. Isn't that funny? It goes back to souls and relationships. Exactly what we're talking I guess, about. I guess. I guess what I mean is it comes back to, you know, you know. I mean, we are all motivated by money to some extent, but it's the the money's not filling the well that Michael, you know, refers Amen. to, right? No, but I, I no, I think even. I mean, you can, we can disagree on this. I, I think most people that say they're motivated by money, um, what they're, maybe not most people, I think some people that say they're motivated by money, what they're really motivated by is the freedom or the perceived freedom that money can bring or the opportunities that it can bring. And, and so when you get under the hood of, they really want to say what more time with their family or they want to be able to do something for somebody else or, and not everybody, of course, but um, I found the people that maybe have a pure motive when it's talk when you talk about um, mon money motivating. When you get under the hood of that, it, it's really it's because I want to help others. I want to do something beyond um, my own capabilities. that's bigger than me. We all we all want to do something bigger than ourselves in League of a Legacy, um, and we can do that through finances. Of course, we can do that through relationship. But ultimately, I, I think a lot of the motivation really comes down to, it, it still comes back to people. 
you want to do something for your family with that money. You want to do something, you know, for the people in, in your industry that you can, you know, do for them that maybe they can't do for themselves, whether it's a scholarship to, to one of your events or something like that. And I, I think those are the things that, that start resonating with people and they realize, okay, I can do good with this money and I can do, you know, the motivation again, it's not self-focus. It's really outward focus. And I think that's when money motivation can work. I dig it. Well, and it is, you know, even now we're looking, you know, I'm looking at properties at different spots, Arizona, Tennessee, Idaho. Uh, we've really, we found this one property and, and why do I love it? <laughs> is that I look at the property and, and, and it's, and I envision, you know, living there, but I also envision, God, I could make a compound there and I could bring people from the mafia in. I could bring veterans in. I could bring stressed out entrepreneurs. Um, you know, kind of what, you know, the person that you're talking about, you did work with before. He's kind of got that situation, right? Where he's got a property, you know, where he brings mm -hmm. people in. So I say that I'm motivated by money, but I'm, I'm really motivated by people. I mean, it comes down yeah. to where, uh, you know, I want, I don't, I'm, I'm not about taking this journey by myself. I want to have company. Well, and the truth is people that are purely motivated by money, they're really motivated by selfishness because they're not seeing the things that you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's using all of our resources to invest back into the one thing that we do have in this world, which is relationship. And whether that's a vertical relationship with, with God through faith, whether that's relationship business-wise or relationship with family, um, you know, there's not a person that would say relationships aren't important, but when you look at how you spend your time, how you spend your, your money and how you spend your energy, if it's not reflected in relationships, then you, you need to go back to the drawing board and figure out how you can do that. And, and I think you've done that over the last year. I know that I have looked to say, okay, you know, I'm pushing hard and great, but what's the cost? You know, so it, it, it's those pieces that we need to always be part of that Amen. boundary piece. Yeah. Well, it, so let's close out and I want to get your input, you know, on, on this one. We're first off, we're going to Mike, Michael, thank you so much. We're going to come back when Michael's going to be here and we're going to do something based off his book. Uh, this has given me some more ideas, even off that everything happens for a purpose, right? With a purpose. Yeah. And so I think when we come back up and do uh, the next podcast, I think that uh, I've got some ideas I want to run by offline. Uh, okay. Th th this was pretty special. Uh, I love, you know, hope it touches one person. I hope one person emails, texts, sends us some DMs us something like that, because um, there is some real gold in here, you know, today. And unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to skip over that. When I say motivated by money and when I say and, and when Michael and I, and I want to clarify this, when I was when I was a young entrepreneur and I'm talking really young. Is that, you know, I remember the days not being able to fill up my gas tank, being scared to death. I was going from job to job to job, um, meaning, you know, selling something. I had to sell it. Um, you know, I was going to be in trouble. And I remember realizing, you know, we've been talking a lot about when to know, when to ask for help. And I remember going to um, and, and going to work at Costco. Then it was Price Club. Uh, and I'd stock, I'd stock the shelves from 2 in the morning until 6 in the morning, you know, and then go – get cleaned up and, and, and go run my business, right? Is what I'm saying when, when, when I say this, I, there, we've got every, every, a lot of people are on different platforms that listen, right? Is that you got people brand new, just starting out. You got broke people. You've got 
people that have got very successful business that got you know million dollars in the bank and a, and a couple million dollars worth of, of of assets right the biggest thing i want to tell you though is is that the the the, the lessons that i really learned that changed my life and allowed me to live a much more comfortable life without overworking like crazy it was all relationship based and a lot of it came from people i met in my business or around business because we're like minds and so i also think it's because you are a person that goes into a relationship to give and not to get and people pick up on that pretty quick I, I think that is a piece that there's a lot of people that have had the proximity that you have to probably these same people, but because they're trying to think, wow, I'd love to get, go to business, go into business with this guy or help, you know, this guy can help me do X, Y, and Z. You don't really approach it that way. And I think, I think that's clear to anybody that spends any time with you. And that's, yeah. that's the racial Velcro that we're talking about. Right. So, you know, and this is going to go back to, um, we'll, we'll close out with this. I'd love to get your feedback on this. Bruce Willis, you know, if you guys don't know who he is, an actor, and he's, he's really facing some real hardships, you know, life-ending hardships, uh, a disease, a, a nasty dementia disease, really young. It hits young people. Um, you know, the guy's in his 60s, so for a lot of people that's older, but to have this stage of dementia is not. You know, it's, it's pretty young to hit. He told me one time, I, I was asking him, and I said, you know, what really broke you out? I mean, was there one moment? And he goes, yeah, when I just – started and i won't repeat it exactly what he said you could imagine bruce willis talking and he's like yeah you know when i when i decided to just to be the effing me i didn't in my acting yeah i acted a certain way but I, when you, i just decided that you're gonna get who i am and i can turn that and i can be something different i can be a doctor at one time and a soldier and you know a, a, a cop from new york you know at another time but really what you're seeing is me I just had to be authentically me because I was not that gifted to where I could be anybody else and pretend. Some people can't. I couldn't. I was just me. Did pretty good with well, him. If, if you're not going to be you, who's going to be you, right? Amen. And, yeah. and, and, it, and, and people can take, you know, I'm from a broken home. Um, not so is that I latched on to people and I saw what was healthy and unhealthy and we made decisions. You might be coming from a broken business. Not so. Is you just got to latch on to what other people are doing right that is known, not 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 this internet sensation, because Michael spoke to that, that later. What you see and what you get are two different things. But you, you can be broken and fixed. You're not broken. You just got a broken piece. Something's broken. There's a piece missing or broken. There's there's there, there's one gear that's just out of whack. Fix the gear and watch what happens. Well, and you know one of the things that we didn't talk about, but um, we kind of uh, maybe glazed over a little bit is the accountability that comes in deeper relationships. Mm. Like there's things that you know people that are closest to me can tell me that are really hard to hear, um, but because we've developed this relationship. I, I listen or I try to listen most of the time. And if, yeah, if you're that person that has a broken business or a broken relationship, like you need to find somebody that will give it to you straight. Um, I, I'll, I have a friend of mine that he, uh, 
he had a, a group of buddies. There's like five or six of them. And one of the guys left his wife for like the younger model. And all his buddies are like, man, she's, she's it, man. She's gorgeous. And, and he noticed that my friend wasn't giving him all the attaboys. He says, what's wrong with you? He goes, what are you doing? And he gave him this whole list of why he should work these things out with his wife. He's like, why can't you be happy with me? Everybody else is. He goes, they're not your real friends. I'm your real friend. I'm telling you, this is yeah. destroying you and, and the people in your life. And so I, I think for me, that's kind of the, for me, the parting shot is, is we have to be able to open ourselves up, have the vulnerability to say, hey, where am I missing the mark here? What am I doing that isn't, isn't working out? And, um, and that's a hard thing to do. Um, but it's one of the more valuable things we can do in a relationship. If it's somebody that we trust, you know, we have to vet people. Obviously, don't walk on the street corner and ask people these questions. But um, we all have to have those people that will give it to us straight. You know. Well, I'll tell you, my friends, great chatting with you. Now, how, how do people find your yeah. book? Chris, hold that book up real quick. Mine's down at the other end. Uh, hold, hold the book up real quick. And then, Michael, talk about uh, a little bit about the book and uh, where, where people can find it and Sure. So it's um, you can go to Amazon to get it there. You can go to my website, which is six sided service, S I X S I D E D service.com. Either way you can get a book there. Um, and the thing I think maybe most value about this book is it is based in relationship, but it's also something that any business can do. There's not any of the practices in here that are only for the big businesses. Um, and you'll see really an exponential change in the way that your employees react as well as your customers react as you do these six practices together. And so, yeah, it's an easy read. Try to make it, um, you know, a lot of customer service books get more technical to where they kind of lose people that are looking to, you know, look at the bottom shelf and get some pieces about customer service maybe they're not familiar with. But yeah, those uh, those six pieces anybody can do. Um, you can get the book Amazon, Walmart. Um, it's, it's, it's wherever, but my website is sixsidedservice.com and, uh, and same thing, I would, I would welcome any questions that people have email, um, Michael at sixsidedservice.com. Love to chat with any, any of your people. And if, if I can provide any assistance or any help, love to do it. That's awesome. I had the, uh, had the question. Oh, I was going to say, I had the question come up earlier too, if it's on audible and I checked and it sure is. It is. It's so. Kindle audible. Um, and, and one of the things about audible that, um, that I was, I was pretty proud of is I decided, you know what, I'm not going to be the voice on the audible. We, we brought in a female voice talent, which is way easier to listen to than me for, you know, two or three hours. So, um, so know that the audible voice it's, it's a, a lady with a, a very listenable voice. And I think you'll enjoy that piece as well. Yeah. It would, it would take me, if I did a voiceover for a book, it would take me 14 years, you know, is that that was that was the other piece when I was talking to my publisher about it. He said, well, keep in mind, um, most people that do this, it's they say it's harder than writing the book. And for me, it was also just a piece of like, you know what? I think this is a better way to go. I would say probably 70, 80 percent of the people that read my book are um, are male. They, you know, the leaders in the CX world are, are male, um, 70, 80 percent. And so I knew that a female voice would probably be more welcome than just another guy talking and um so yeah, small thing, but yeah, Audible, Kindle, um, uh, soft cover, my website, you can get it, get it any of those places. That's awesome. So yeah. I'm going to leave you, everybody listening with the challenge that Michael did for us when we were in Vegas, when he came and spoke to our group. And this was probably one of the coolest um, 
parts of, of, of last year is Michael, you remember when you challenged us all to call three people that have made an impact in your life and just randomly thank them for the impact they've, they've, the imprint that they've put on you coming from them. So yeah. when you get done today, uh, it's a, at the end of this call three people that have really a difference in your life and, uh, thank them. Thank you for that difference. And if you love them, make sure to tell them that you love them. So yeah. Michael, thanks. Yeah. Always awesome. I'm glad you didn't come yeah. up last night because you probably wouldn't be going home until next week. So, uh, <laughs> well, it worked out. That, that, there would be some fun that we would have for sure, but yeah, oh, man, yeah, we, we, we've got extra shovels. We would have put a shovel in each of your, your wife and your hands and, I could just picture the two of you out there making snow angels. <laughs> I would like to make a snowman so bad. Uh, I think I'm going to. It's the snow's a little wetter, and I think I think I'm going to make a family of snowmen. So, uh, All right. I just I just want post. to. Yeah, I just want to. You know, and I got a couple of uh, uh, dried out cigars that aren't so good anymore. So I think I think uh, tomorrow is going to be a snowman day. So. Well, after skiing, because tomorrow I am skiing, because it's going to be probably the best day of skiing that we've had here in ten or twelve years. So I'm going to do some some double black stuff and and have fun. But uh, Michael, Chris, thanks everybody. Hey, and for everybody listening, oh, uh, we love to hear from you. Um, you know, Renny at DetailingSuccess.com or Chris at DetailingSuccess.com. If we've made an impact, reach out uh, to, to to Michael direct. Let him know uh, if you if you send it to us, Michael will forward it on. Um, we just one person. That's all we want to do is one person. It's a pretty simple analogy uh, to this, and it's a pretty simple goal. But I know, and Michael knows, Chris knows how hard it is uh, to make it in this world and stay sane uh, about it. Uh, Michael, let's talk offline the next couple of days. And buddy, if you need me, I know. I know it's been. You know, we've gone through our challenges. Uh, always here for you. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, Col Col awesome. Colton boys, right here in the house. All right, guys. That's right. You take Go care, yellow, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Michael. We'll see you later. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Rennie Doyle Podcast, brought to you by Detailing Success and PNS Double Black. Listen to new episodes weekly, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to share with your friends and colleagues.